Hey everyone, welcome to West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm your host, Bronna Marks, and I'm here with Leslie Torres. And today we are going to just kind of give an overview of what the top three teams on the um, West Coast are really doing right now. Um, we're almost halfway through the season, so everybody kind of has a little bit of news to cover. So first we're going to dig into the Lakers and obviously their biggest concern is LeBron James with his injury. So Leslie, um, do you want to kind of talk about like how that injury has been affecting their team as a whole? Yeah. So on Christmas day, LeBron James fell down, touched his groin area and he was out and he hasn't been back for the Lakers ever since. So he is out with a groin injury and then a little bit after that, Rajon Rondo was also out for his hand. He had a head sur- He had to get surgery again. And then after that, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma was also out for a couple of games due to back spasms. So the Lakers have been really been feeling the injury bug, most from LeBron James, who will be reevaluated on Friday to see if he could come back. But the Lakers have really been hurting without LeBron James. They are, I think, um, two and seven. So they've lost five games out of the seven games without LeBron James. Right, right, right. And I know um, Luke Walton basically outright spoke about how there are two players that really need mm-hmm. to step up, um, Lonzo Ball and um, Brandon Ingram. You know, they're they're young players, but they definitely set a tone. But he basically said that they need more passion, more fire. They're still young. They need to dive for balls. They need to communicate louder. Um, they need to, you know, be more aggressive overall with their game, but um, I'm sure you caught the game after that versus the Mavs oh, yeah. <laughs> where, where they won and they really made a statement. Like, mm. Did you see that game? Did you see the difference? I did. I did. I watched it. So after the game, I guess Lonzo Ball told a couple of reporters, a couple of media people that he talked to Brennan Ingram on the phone the day after Luke Walton said those comments. So they got together. They got to talking. They kind of asked like what, what the conversation was about and Lonzo Ball just basically said that they needed to be more aggressive they needed to push through and to play without LeBron James and their veterans and so you can tell the difference because they were much scrappier like you said they were getting balls they were going for rebounds it was a different kind of team with a different kind of energy so I guess that conversation and Luke Walton calling them out really worked Right. And I know that's sometimes like really controversial when like, you know, head coach goes in front of the cameras and basically calls, you know, specific people out on their game because it it adds a little bit of pressure, but it also can be a little condescending. Um, So but I'm really glad that those two definitely took that and just picked it up instead of being like, you know, butthurt about it and not playing how they're supposed mm-hmm. to play because uh, Ingram ended up putting a season high 29 points up and then ball mm-hmm. kind of followed with 21 points. And that's what they need to be sc- scoring regardless if LeBron is on, you know, is on the court or not, because the problem is, you know, especially just with any team with LeBron is on, they, they're so dependent on him or they're just so used to him putting up 34, you know, you know, 30, 40% of their points, you know, it's kind of like, okay, who's going to step up now that he's on, on the bench and they need that, that second or third person to be like, it's going to be me regardless. Like they already know who's going to step up. So um, it's really good that Lonzo Ball and Ingram, 
um, kind of did that, but it's like, now how consistent are they, are they going to be, you know, cause now that we're halfway through the season, um, they really have to stick to that if they want to make it to playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Any other coach calling out their players would have been like front center news. What's going on? Is there problems happening? What's going mm-hmm, on behind mm-hmm. the scenes? And because of the, I think that the relationship that coach Luke Walton has with his players, they don't see it as a personal attack, but they see it as a way that Walton wants to push them. He knows that they're capable of being more aggressive, of playing more confidently. So what he's doing is, yeah, I'm putting that out there in the media, but not as like to bash them, but to make you guys like maybe like lit a fire under their but a little bit, you know, but I'm glad yeah. that, like you said, that Brennan Ingram and Lonzo Ball didn't take it that way and they took it as a challenge. And you're completely right. They played with much more passion and fire and technically all around more aggressive and you can see it. Yeah, you can def- you can definitely see it. And um, they just, every team needs just like, you know, that those initial leaders. Like if it's not like, that a good like one, two, and three kind of person is definitely like good. So if LeBron is number one and then Ingram Ingram can be number two and then Ball number three, then they have a good like fit. Because right now sitting number nine in the Western Conference is kind of like they're almost sitting on the outside looking in as far as for mm-hmm. playoffs. And the Western Conference is really, really close and it just remains that, you know, the rankings keep changing. So it's kind of like they really need to take that time to be like these are our like guys that we're gonna look to to pick it up every time you know because you have somebody like Kuzma who was doing really good and then he got hurt and now he's coming back he shot four for 20 in that game against the Mavs so that was kind of like you know a little shake up with him and then you have Hart and Beasley who come in with like 14 and 13 points respectively against the Mavs after that um um, criticism by their head coach so it's kind of like you have those other guys like that are underneath and I feel like honestly Kuzma could be a leading guy but coming back from like a from a back injury is like yeah, it's hard sure. that's it's a very sensitive spot and even LeBron LeBron may not play with the same you know confidence throughout the rest of the season if he doesn't heal right no, yeah, I completely agree. Actually, the Lakers sit right now in the eighth seed, but you're still right. It's a five-game difference from the first seed to the eighth seed. So whatever happens in the next couple of games, they're either going to drop really low or they're going to go really high. And without LeBron James, they're, they, it all depends on them. It all They can't really rely on him for everything. And that's kind of what it shows how much they relied on him since. And so you're right as well, Kuzma. He has the potential to be a star player. He's kind of been the most consistent player out of Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram mm-hmm. has been playing, I think, aggressive, but not as aggressive as we would like him to see, especially right now. And you can tell by all the rumors, every time there's a Lakers loss and Brandon Ingram is not doing what he's supposed to, everybody wants to trade him, get rid of him, and then mm-hmm. he has a great night and everybody changes their mind. So I just feel like Brandon Ingram needs to be more consistent as well as Lonzo Ball. Kuzma, like you said, he's coming off of a little back injury kind of with spasms and stuff like that. So he has to get into rhythm as well. But compared to all these guys, I feel that Kuzma has been the most consistent. If he can keep playing consistently, he can be LeBron James' second man, you know? 
even it's, though it was meant to be for Brandon Ingram. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And they they have a lot of talent on their team. Like they have way too much talent on their team. They just need to figure out like kind of like I guess their rankings and power players and like mm -hmm. who's going to take what role when. I think they're still trying to figure that out. Um yeah. because go ahead. Oh no. Well, I was going to say well yeah, they are figuring it out and It also has to rely, I think, a little bit of responsibility on Luke Walton, who is a coach, and he should know by now, half of the season kind of mark, who plays good with who, which players mesh well, who don't, so which kind of players to have on the floor at the right time. There's been times where he's, for my opinion, he's made like some um, starting roles or just putting players together who don't really mesh well, and you can tell Or maybe he's just experimenting, trying to find things out. But at some point, I think that Luke Walton needs to have a little bit more responsibility on who he's putting at the floor at the time. But not to say that the Lakers don't have any responsibility. Obviously, their defense has been lacking in the last five games. Their free throw shooting has been horrible. I think they're like, if not the worst team in the league in free throw shooting. And that's not, you can't blame Luke Walton on all of that. But right. the Lakers do need to kind of step up and everybody, like you said, has to pick a role and get that role together and actually perform aggressively in that role. Exactly, exactly. And it does definitely fall, fall on Luke Walton too. And you could tell because every time like the Lakers go on these losing streaks, there's always a question of like, are they going to fire Luke Walton or not? Mm -hmm. Because is he really, you know, doing the best? Like you said, like, figuring out these lineups, what, like, what really matches, what holds well in certain situations. So I, I think, honestly, if this keeps happening where, you know, they go on these, like, sudden losing streaks, his, his job is definitely going to be way more in jeopardy than it is already. So, mm -hmm. um, but just, just across um, the bridge, you know, the, the Warriors are kind of struggling With their own, um, with their own talent too, because you know, coming off of so many championships, now they're kind of in a spout where they're not, they're not really meshing, or they're just, they're just not really playing well. I'm, I'm not sure what it, what the specific <laughs> going problem on is. <laughs> you know, they've had injuries, they've had drama, they've had arguments. You know, Kevin Durant is like, you know, saying all these reckless things on podcasts, and mm -hmm. you know, I, I just don't know what their like main issue is. <laughs> They have a lot going on over there, and it's hard just to focus on playing basketball, as Kevin Durant recently said. Like, we just focus on basketball. Like, they are playing the Knicks tonight, so there's rumors going around if he's going to go to the Knicks in free agency or not. And so, obviously, reporters and media are asking him those questions. And he's mm -hmm. kind of frustrated, think thinking, like, let's just talk about basketball. But it's very difficult, like you said, when you have all these extra things happening around. And... Mm -hmm people are starting to wonder, should we worry about the Warriors? I, at this point, for me personally, I feel like the Warriors are fine. They're still in the second in the West. Same, same place they were in last year. And as I kind of noticed, the Warriors seem to heat up towards the end of the season. So their season starts with like, great, and then there's drama, and then it's like back to being great, and then they come and surprise everybody and win the championship. So I just feel like They have to get it together again. Maybe this time it's a little bit more different because there is drama between 
Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, and then Green calling out the defense. So if he's Defensive Player of the Year, you know, or was one, he's calling out everybody else's defense because mine is obviously great. (laughs) But Green has been having a tough time. Somehow he always manages to turn it around in May or in June come playoff time. We'll see if this happens. I think it will just because of the track record the Warriors have. And some people are also worried about the Warriors' offense. But then we mm-hmm. come, you have to remember, again, we have Curry, you have Kevin Durant, you have Thompson. They're going to turn it around eventually. And if they don't turn it around, that's kind of like not going to happen because they do have so many great players offensively that maybe Steve Kerr can just spread them out like if someone's not having a great night, you know. But I feel like there's a lot of hype about worrying about the Warriors. I don't think so. What do you think? (laughs) Um, I kind of, like, I I see what you're saying. Like, they do have um, kind of a way with their season where they kind of go up and down and then they, like, kind of just shoot out towards the end. Um, But it, it is just a lot of, like, speculation around the team. You have media making comments and then you have kind of Kevin Durant on these podcasts giving his opinion on his game and how he feels that people don't, you know, like him because of that. And, you know, it, there's only so much one person can do, like, as, as far as blaming other people for drama that they bring to themselves, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like even though Kevin Durant doesn't want to be in the media, he keeps going out <laughs> and, and talking on these interviews and stuff and saying things that are like, you know, bring more attention to his yeah. team. And then you also kind of have um, um, the whole situation where uh, the game is changing. So you mentioned how, like, Draymond Green comments on their defense lacking a little bit. But he mentioned um, after after that game where the Kings and the Warriors combined for the most threes in a game ever in NBA history... Um, how nobody wants to play defense anymore. And it's if you look at the league overall, it's tr- it's kind of true because mm-hmm. all these games are in the hundreds. Mostly everybody scores over 100 points in every single game. And before that was not the case, you know. And people and then you have all these individual players too who are scoring 40, 50 points a night. Like even mm-hmm. like somebody like James Harden who can go consecutive games scoring 50 points you know that's that's honestly in my like perspective that's ridiculous you should not let anybody any player be able to do that against five people there are five people that you are playing against on defense and you're saying you're making (laughs) it from every every little piece of the court you know so it's just kind of like and then Steph Curry I believe had um 40 points in a recent game too so it's just like the Warriors where I believe in the beginning, before all the hype, before the championships, they were really built on defense. Same as like somebody like, you know, a team like the Spurs or, you know, people who have who have won championships. But the Warriors, um, they were able to definitely keep up more than other teams. But now it's just kind of like, I feel like, honestly, it's getting out of hand. Um, but I think Steve Kerr has done a great job with adjusting uh, the people on the team to make sure that, they kind of um, just adjust, adjust to who they're playing against and defense. But I feel like all their problems as far as inconsistency winning is coming from outside things and making it more like making their chemistry like 
tilt inside. Um, so I think once everybody like media and executives and et cetera, like get past the whole fact of like trade season coming up and like drama in between, um, I do definitely think the Warriors can get over that if they let themselves. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I said, there's only so much one person can blame before, you know, the blame kind of turns on them. Um, no, yeah. But, yeah. The le- no, definitely. The league is changing. The league is changing. Okay. Yeah. And then they've, they've had consecutive losses at home and they've had really big strikes to their ego um, as far as them blowing a 20 point lead and um you know James Harden making that very uh big game winning shot so it's kind of like they've had these really big blows to their ego as well because obviously they know they're a good team but then you know they they like they'll they get comfortable easy because they know they know they're a good team and then they get comfortable and then they lose and then they're like oh I'm so hurt like you know (laughs) no yeah Um, that's why that's why I feel like come May come June the Warriors team that we're used to is going to shine through. And so really people don't have much to worry about. If this, like you said, this outside noise keeps on coming into the team, then it might create some friction, some chemistry. They're going to the playoffs, but will they win the championship? That's a different story. And I agree with you. The league is changing. Defense is being played less. So it's going to be up to the team who can score more and score better. And obviously, that's kind of like the Warriors. They have Curry, they have Thompson, they have Kevin Durant. And then also, we cannot forget about DeMarcus Cousins. He yep. hasn't played. There's a chance that he's going to come back. And mm-hmm. as I'm talking to you right now, I just got a notification on Twitter that he was going to be making his debut on January 18th against the Clippers. So he's coming. He's coming back. <laughs> and yeah. when that happens, he's going to create more opportunities four players like Curry and Thompson by opening up space in the paint, creating a little bit more opportunities for the offense. So as I see it right now, yeah, that outside noise is annoying for maybe Warriors fans and Warriors players, but if they can let it all out, I think come May, come June, it's going to be like under the water, three P. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're definitely in a comp, um, in competition for, for more rings and more trophies, per se. Um, but then you have, uh, moving on to a team that's kind of riding the coattails of uh, bigger teams is the Clippers. They're still obviously in um, in the conversation for playoffs and for just being a really good team overall. I think uh, right now they've been pretty consistent. Um, they haven't had any, like, you know, detrimental losses or detrimental like or like crazy win streaks. They've just kind of been, you know, there and they're sitting mm-hmm. number um, eight or seven, I believe now in the Western Conference. Fourth, um, they're fourth. They're four. OK, so, yeah, they are four. Um, um, so that's that's good for them. That's a very yeah. safe. That's a very safe spot to be in in the Western Conference. Um, And I think they've kind of teeter-tottered between uh, one and four in the past few weeks. And I know uh, Doc Rivers is definitely focusing on the front office. You know, he definitely um, showed interest in Tyrone Liu when he got fired from the Cavs. And then he has invited uh, Tom Thibodeau, um, who was sadly fired from the Timberwolves, um, 
to kind of come to the team and maybe help out with them, which would be good for them because they're, they're trying to also focus on their defense. Um, they're actually last in the league in steals right now. So mm. if uh, Tom Thibodeau, who was a um, defensive assistant in Boston when Doc Rivers was there, that would be amazing for their, for their staff. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's something that the Clippers have need to work on. And they've mentioned it themselves. They need to work on defense on transition. So they're allowing other teams to score too much while the ball is moving. And I mean, that's a really hard and not hard, but very tedious thing to work on on the floor because the players need to be actually running up and down the floor consistently throughout the whole game. So, as you said, the if the defense doesn't kind of shine through, with steals or blocks, they have to do other things that are not on the stat line to improve their defense. And Tom Thibodeau, if that's how you say his last name, if I said it correctly, um, yeah, he can help the Clippers for sure, for sure. Yeah, so I think the Clippers are, they're obvious, they've always been kind of like on the end of medias of uh, kind of just mainstream like spotlight. So thank God that they're like one of the teams that don't really have to deal with that, but they're, they still remain good. But um, defense, obviously, if they really want to, they really want to just, you know, fly ahead of everybody else. If they get their defense, their defense on board, then they will be good to go. Um, they did recently uh, guarantee contracts to Patrick Beverly and Tyron Wallace. Uh, which is really good because it gives them more stability to know that those players who do make a difference on the floor are sticking with them for at least the rest of the season. Um, and that will definitely give them more more of an up and up to make sure that they stay in that comfortable spot of number four. No, yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks to the Lakers, they have like the spotlight out of them. So they can just move and move around, play around, do their thing. Like you mentioned, um, they're just like a bunch of guys who are playing really, really well. They're just playing their game, not focusing on anything else. But they are in the fourth seat. Like you said, that's a great spot to be at. But they have the Nuggets coming up. They have the Pistons after that. They play the Pelicans and the Warriors. So they can quickly go from the fourth seat to the eighth seat. And if they play really well, they can get to the top. So they just have to kind of keep playing their game and not get involved in all this extra drama outside noise that the Warriors have kind of been in. Like you said, it gives them more consistency. You don't have to ask questions about who's going, who's staying. So that was a great move. And also, I think we should talk about Tobias Harris, who's been having a really great season. He is playing the best basketball of his career right now. He has a career high averages in scoring and rebounding and then he's also uh, career high in field goal percentages and three-point percentages so for the fact of the Clippers having Tobias Harris on board and playing well it's just kind of changing the whole rotation how they do things so we might be looking at the Clippers going to the playoffs and actually maybe going after the second round who knows Right, right, yeah, they they may make it into the second round, and it kind of, like, 
you know, it, it disregards the fact of how people have been asking, but why, but they need a superstar. Like, why don't they have a superstar on their team yet? And, you know, it, it's not all about that. If you have a leader, like a definite leader, because Tobias Harris could become his own, his own superstar. I mean, he oh, should yeah. be most improved player. I, I believe this man has basically come from nothing and um, is now leading a number, is leading a number four seed team. Um, so, and that's, that's, you know, that's a great improvement. And the fact that he's, he's breaking his own records, you know, you're, you're, your your own competition. Basically he's running his own race. Um, and he's doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. In the, in the beginning of the season, he was basically leading almost every game with points. And now that we're halfway through the season, he's still remaining, uh, pretty consistent. He had 30 32 points in a loss against the Warriors, but still that's 32 points. And then he had 20, mm-hmm. 28 points against the Magic and basically blew them out. Um, so it's kind of like if you have somebody like that, that's, that is you can count on no matter what. It's just like they, they don't need to be worried about other media woes that the other teams are worrying about, like super big questions of trades and deals and et cetera. All they have to do is focus on basketball. Yeah, yeah. And Tobias Harris is kind of like the star for them. Like you said, against the Magic, he was kind of not off to a great start. He was having, like, his shots weren't going in. And so you can tell that the Clippers needed Harris to be good so that they can go and continue to win. Once the second half started and Harris started going, you're right. They blew them out. He had a great night. And so the Clippers... If they can eliminate that extra noise, they're going to be good to go for the rest of the season. Yeah, and then you have, you know, their rookie, um, Gilius Alexander, who is still consist- uh, being as consistent as possible. I mean, when you have other big guys on the team like Gallinari and Lou Williams, who are veterans and who take charge immediately. But at least if you have Gilius Alexander, he can, like, learn from the veterans that are on that team and, you know, hopefully knock on wood nobody gets hurt but he should be able to step up uh so I think the clip the Clippers are comfortable and they they're definitely uh pretty set now like you said they have a few tough games ahead of them for sure so things could easily change but I think if they prove themselves within these next four games you know maybe people will start talking about them more oh yeah if they can beat the Nuggets if they can beat the Warriors Everybody's going to start talking about the Clippers and how they, everybody else should be afraid, how they're the new power team in the NBA. And like you said, it's just because of the great team they have managed to put together. And it just makes it seem like they fit perfectly well with one another. Exactly. Well, that's all I have to say about the, the West Coast right now, West Coast basketball. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. You don't want to miss the next episode of the West Coast Mix and Bounce because we're going to be getting into more NBA topics. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out in the latest of the NBA.